If you have a Bible, find the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number four is where we're going to be in. Today we, we finish our series, uh, the message series. We've been using the phrase forward. Uh, and if you've been around, uh, I'll give you the 30 second or one minute intro that I've been saying every time. We are not meant to stay the same. We are not meant to be stagnant. We're not meant to be complacent in our relationship with God. Uh, We are meant to be moving forward all the time. You are supposed to grow. You're supposed to grow. Uh, Living things grow, and and that's what we should be. And so we've been talking about how, man, in a a year from now, I want to know God more, and I want to hear his voice better, and, and I want to know more about him, and I want to just be a stronger, better believer and follower of Jesus Christ. And I want that for you. I want it for your family. I want it for, for, for us as a church. And, and we kind of have transitioned, and we started the first part of the series talking about individually, what does it look like for me to move forward? And we talked about how we're so busy that we, we miss out on so much. And we talked about um, a number of different things in different ways. But then we switched, and we began to talk about the body of Christ and, and how if we are a church, uh, we, we should be moving forward together. We are not meant to be stagnant and and just kind of go through the motions and do churchy things. And okay, like there is meant to be something different here. And we should always be moving and always be growing. That's why for us, I want us to give more to fund the kingdom of God around the world in the future, more than we are now. I want us to plant more churches and be involved in, in expanding the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. I'm passionate about this stuff. And if you hang out with me for any time at all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, what does it look like for you to help build the body of Christ? Because this is like my life and my calling from God to help us move forward in some of this, in some of this stuff. I don't want us just to survive. I, I, like, are you with me? I, I want so much more than that for our church family. Uh, and, and, and we get this wrong when we... Uh, in the way that we talk about church in our culture so often, uh, because church becomes about me, and I come to church to worship, and I come to church to pray to God, and I come to church to learn, and I come to grow, and I come to receive, and, and, and we, like, we, we tend to view church as all this I, and I, 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 I go, I come. When, when, when we look scripturally, it is much more about we, and, and, and for some of us in this place, and this is where I feel like God is leading us in this next season of our church, is like, we got to go from me to we. Are you with me? That even rhymes, and you can say it and remember it. From me to we is what we're looking. See, we come together from different paths, different struggles, different giftings, different passions, and together we become something beautiful. See, if, if church just is about you worshiping God and you learning about God and you experiencing God, then you don't have to come to a place to do that. You can, you can do that in your home. You can do that on a, on a mountain. And we hear people say things like this. There are a whole bunch of people that will say, I don't need to go to church. I can experience God and learn and grow and all that all on my own. Church has to become more than that. And when it becomes more than that, and that's a part of this, when it becomes more than that, we begin to understand the togetherness that is the body of Christ. And it is truly the hope of the world when individual Christians come together and we begin to move and breathe and encourage and minister and all of that. Are you with me? Okay, come on, somebody. That's good stuff. 
All right. Uh, and so today we're just going to kind of add to this and put a little nice bow on the whole thing. Uh, but this is challenging. Today's challenging for me as I uh, get into what we are going to be looking at. And so uh, please stand with me all over this place. Let's read our passage of Scripture for today. <coughs> it is the same passage of Scripture as last week and the same passage of Scripture as two weeks ago. But there is something that we haven't talked about, and it's about four words long, and you're going to see this, and let's go. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse number 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Unity, maturity, okay, you can feel some of the stuff. We've been talking about those things. Then we will no longer be infants. You are not supposed to stay a baby Christian your whole life. Catch that. We'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature, mature, again, you hear that? The mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray. God, we pause for just a moment to invite you corporately into this moment we, we say, God, we need you. God, we don't want this just to be about us individually. We don't want it just to be about me on a stage. But God, let this significantly be something that alters the way that we live and the way that we think. And so, God, we respond to you and what you are saying through your word. And we give this to you in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right, well, the past few weeks I've been sharing briefly about uh, a trip that we took to Kazakhstan uh, about three, four weeks ago now. We had seven people from our church here. We, met, we went with seven people from Lakeville, actually. There was 14 of us. We traveled around the world to Kazakhstan with a missions team, uh, and we spent about 10 days there with the people, just... Uh, encouraging each other, encouraging them, ministering to people in different ways. It was a beautiful thing, a beautiful time, life-altering for some of us and many of us who went on that, uh, on that team. Kazakhstan touches China and Russia, and it's a huge country, actually. When you look at it on a map, you're like, how have I never heard of this place before? It's like huge, a big place. Uh, and, and Kazakhstan was part of the Soviet Union, for, for uh, many years, all the way up until about 1993. Dangerous part of the world, by the way, when you start to get into Russia, Russia, the Soviet Union, especially in the 80s and 90s, and China, and all of that stuff. We have all the stands right to the west, including Afghanistan and Pakistan, and some of these very dangerous places and difficult things. But um, right now, Kazakhstan seems to be a, a very stable and safe place, uh, and I say for now because every few, every few years the leadership seems to change in Kazakhstan and, 
And it really, most of the Christians there believe it's only a matter of time before things like turn pretty south pretty quick. Uh, and so we can be just continuing to pray for people uh, around the world who are suffering in, in many ways that we just don't understand. But most of the country of Kazakhstan is made up of the Kazakh people, K-A-Z-A-K, the Kazakh people. But there's a number of what we would call minority groups uh, there as well, people with their own culture, their own language, their own food. We spent most of our time with the Kazakh people. And if you've heard me talk about this the last couple of weeks, visiting teen challenge centers and addiction type of stuff, visiting some small churches and different things. But we were also there to work with and to, to visit a very specific group of people, a people group that is known as the Uyghur people. And if you try to look it up online, you're not going to be able to find it very well because it's spelled with a U. And so it's really kind of a weird word. Uh, but the Uyghur people... Uh, and the reason we went to see this people group specifically is that, and I have to, I'm going to be careful how I say this because we're live online right now, our former uh, music and youth pastors of our church are global workers, is the phrase that I'm going to use. You could use a word that starts with M, okay? But our global workers over to this specific people group in Kazakhstan. And so we went to kind of see what they were up to and to see what was going on uh, right there. And, and so those of you who are a part of our church family before COVID know exactly who I'm talking about. And if it sounds like I'm talking in code, it's because I kind of am here uh, on purpose because it's just kind of a dangerous situation for people who were there. The Uyghur people are a Muslim people group from Western China. And in fact, right now, this, this people group in China is persecuted horrendously. The, this is the, the Olympics from uh, last year, the year before, the Olympics were almost boycotted by most of the world because of how China was treating this specific people group. And then China responded by saying, nah, that's not happening. And then they took a Uyghur person and had them carry in the torch. And it was super controversial in the world because everybody around the world knows that China is like persecuting these people and it's this horrible situation. But there are 12 million Uyghurs in Western China and about 400,000 that live across the border in Eastern Kazakhstan, okay? So that's the situation here. Hang with me because this is gonna be important. But the Uyghurs in China, 12 million Uyghurs in China, we cannot get global workers to them. China won't let us. They won't, they're, they're not open to the West of any kind. Uh, you, if you want to go to China, you can hang out in Bangkok and some of the eastern places. They will not let you on the western half of China. It is absolutely closed and super dangerous. Uh, things are not good. Okay, But the 400,000 Uyghurs across the border in Kazakhstan, we have full access to them, to this people group. And our church really has sent the first global workers to this people group in this way. And so we're kind of, it's, it's a really an important thing that we're a part of. See, the Uyghur people are almost 100% unreached with the gospel. You search online and you will read they are 99.99% Muslim is what you'll see. 99.99%, which basically means like they'll say, I know there are a handful of Christians in the 13 million in the world, so we can't say it's 100%. This is what's going on here. But in Kazakhstan, there is a total of one public churches 
for the 400,000 Uyghurs. There's a handful of what we think are more underground things that's happening. But back to our trip. Sorry, that was all just kind of to get us started. But three Sundays ago, our team was in that one church, the one church for the Uyghur people in Kazakhstan. Uh, We got to go to that church. We went there on a Sunday service. We worshiped with them. We were the body of Christ and encouraged each other in that way. And I got to speak to these people through an interpreter. It was unbelievable. Go ahead and put that picture on the screen. This was the picture of their church. All of them, by the way. There, there might be a few kids that are like in a little, in another room right now. But this is, this is us intermingled with their, with their church. And they, and they had been given this building and it was like this incredible ex- incredible supernatural thing that they even had any of that, but there's 24 of them and a few kids that are in the other room. That is, that is all in the one church for the Uyghur people, 400,000 people. But it was so beautiful. It was unbelievable to be there and, and to see them sing like unashamed and to see them dance and to see them like it was people who have their, their people group has been such, so horribly persecuted throughout the years. And to see them singing in this way, almost every person in this picture uh, has people across the border, family members across the border where horrible things are happening. We took time in the service to pray for them, to pray for the, the people, the Uyghurs in China. We prayed for them, uh, specifically for the Christians, but there's not very many that God would give them strength but also just for family members that were persecuted. Well, after the service, one of the most memorable things on the trip happened for me. We took this pastor of this little church and his family out for lunch. And we sat there and we just listened to them tell their stories. Uh, First, let me show you what we ate. Go ahead and put the picture up. Hey, look at that. Okay, this is like a traditional Uyghur dish. It's called lag, lakman, lagman. I don't know how exactly you say it. Um, it's hand-pulled noodles. By the way, if you want to watch something fascinating on the internet, search how do they hand-pull noodles because this is crazy thing. But they're, they're like taking flour and also they go like this and they have noodles. It's really messed up, okay? <laughs> it is. Uh, and that's lamb is what that is mixed in with that. And then this right here is not a soup. That is the nastiest, sour, salty milk tea that you would ever have in your life. It is so disgusting. It is really, really bad. Okay, but they have it. They have that at pretty much every meal in this culture. And so I just have that. Go ahead and put the next picture up here for me. But this was our group. Um, I, I told the guy, the guy in the middle here in the black, um, I told him, yeah, me and you, we have the same issue with shirts, don't we? It's, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's... It's a muscular guy problem. Most of you wouldn't understand that. (coughs) But um, this guy here is the pastor, uh, all the way on the left here in the black. And um, go to the next picture here for me, because this is when they begin to talk. And this, this, okay, so this guy over here, I'll tell his story just in 15 seconds. Muslim guy, Muslim family, had a dream of Jesus. Had no idea what that meant, had no idea who he was. It was crazy. And someone, he came in contact with a Christian at some point who explained to him what his dream meant and he gave his heart to Christ. For the next two decades, 
this guy begins to smuggle Bibles across the border into China. Like, we're sitting at a table. This is stuff you read about in crazy books. And we're sitting at a table with these people who have risked it all. It was un unbelievable. He told us a story about how at one point he was smuggling a suitcase of Bibles. And what he would do is he would, he would take the Bibles and he'd lay them flat. And then he'd put his clothes on the top of them to try to disguise it. And they'd go through the border patrol. And he, before they'd go through the, through the border, they would pray and say, God, like, we have Bibles here. This, this is life in prison in a Chinese dungeon for us. Uh, we need your help. And he tells the story of how they, how they would open up the suitcase. And he's standing right here, and they'd open it up, and they'd lift it up, and they'd, um, they'd look in there, and he's standing here, and he's going, I can see the Bibles. Like, I can see them. And for some reason, like, the person here doesn't see them and closes it, and they say, go on your way. It's just like unbelievable stuff that we just got to be a part of, supernatural stuff. Um, and, but I remember, and the reason I'm bringing all this and in, in what we're going to talk about today is I remember one of the last things that they said to us. Um, he, said there, he said, there are 13 million Uyghurs in the world, and I know all of the pastors. And he said, I know all personally. And he put up his hands and through the interpreter, the interpreter's like, there's less than 10 or 13 million. Uh, but he began to tell us how there's this wave of Jesus moving through these Muslim people in China. It's unbelievable, supernatural. There's a fire burning. And, and, and he kept, they kept saying to us in different ways, and I talked to them separately as well, and, and he's like, we, we need your help. And I, and I was like, well, what do you, and, and, and I, you know, you're thinking, okay, that they're going to ask Americans for money. And they, that they, didn't, they didn't want money. They said, we need Bibles. We need Bibles. We need Bibles in our language because not everything is translated. We, we need training materials to translate into our language so we can train pastors. And it's actually going to be one of our global projects for 2024. We're going to talk about this as we get closer to March. But we're going to be a part of translating the Bible and translating materials into this, into this culture where our former youth pastor and music pastor are right in the middle of all of this that's happening, by the way. But these people are experiencing a move of God in, midst of, in the midst of some of the most difficult things you could ever imagine. And here's why I bring any of that up. When you begin to spend time with people like this, people from difficult parts of the world, people who are following Christ in this way, and you begin to hear stories of God's faithfulness and supernatural things and all of this, it is always connected. Don't miss this right here. It's always connected with people who have a deep commitment to prayer. Like they, they don't just go through this lackadaisical. They don't just go through this complacent and apathetic. It's, it's their life we're talking about. It's different. They come with this deep passion and this deep commitment to God, understanding that if God doesn't show up in this moment, then we are in a heap of trouble. And so you hear the, the, the power of their prayer life in different ways, reliant on God for their daily bread and reliant on God for the daily protection for their family. And I'm just telling you the gospel cannot and does not move forward in places like this without the hand of God, like guiding and moving and breathing and, and all of this just happening. But the, and the result, Muslim people who know nothing of Jesus have dreams 
and come to Christ. Unbelievable. And God's closing the eyes of the Chinese police. Uh, and what I want to show you today, and it won't take much time, is that, the, is that right in the middle of this beautiful passage on the body of Christ where, that we've been looking at, the Apostle Paul throws in these five or six words that remind us of our need for Jesus in this, okay? And so here we go. We're just going to talk through this. We're going to read uh, what we've read, and we're going to talk through it again. So verse 11 It says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This was last week, and if you missed last week, I need you to watch that message online because it was significant. Because we talked about how the role of the leaders in the church is not to do ministry. The role of the leaders in the church is actually to prepare and equip and train the people for ministry. And can you imagine as we are all ministers and how that impacts things for works of service. Okay, verse 13, until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Moving forward together, unity together, maturity together in the faith and all of that. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Or we could say it this way, we, as we become more and more mature, we no longer uh, watch every stinking YouTube video on whatever junk is out there of some random person claiming that they know all about whatever, and we aren't moved and changed our theology based on what some wacko says which is a major issue in the American church right now. YouTube is a, and Facebook and TikTok, beautiful things they are in whatever avenue you want to say, but they also are a detriment as any, anyone, in the, anyone who wants to can get up and say anything they want. You know that, right? You understand that? So just because someone says that the, the end is coming next week or whatever else, because like, like, Let's be smart here, and let's be mature, and let's look to the Word of God together on how we understand some of this. Wow, that was a rant that was not in my notes. Let's move on, okay? You're not supposed to stay a spiritual infant. This is one way that we'll say that. Okay, verse 15, here's what we're getting to today, okay? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We have this picture of a physical body. Is the illustration that the Apostle Paul, who's the one writing this, it's a letter he's writing, he, he gives this illustration, a physical body, all these different parts coming together. We know this. We've talked about this. Different parts, different gifts, different backgrounds, different passions, different stories, we come together in differences, and we make the whole, and we are the body, each doing its part, moving and breathing and living, and we are the body of Christ, just, just, just like Jesus is here today. That's who we are supposed to be through the body of Christ. Uh, it's the picture of the church, but, but let's read part of this again, and I want to point something out, something we haven't talked about. Instead, speaking the truth in love, We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. In the middle of all this talk about about the body of Christ, ministers, 
every part coming together, all of this type of stuff, we have these words, the mature body of Christ, of him who is the head, and that is Jesus. And see, we can miss this if we move too fast, and it may, it may not even sound like that big of a deal. It's just a few words that are thrown into the middle, like we grow to become the mature body of him who is the head. That is Jesus. And so here's where we're at, to put it very simply. We are the body of Christ, but Jesus is the head. Just taking it very literally here. We're the body of Christ, but Jesus is the head. We are, we are the body, okay? Which from a very literal perspective, we are to live and move and act and minister like Jesus was still here in flesh and blood. That's what it means for us to be the body of Christ in that way. We're to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, okay? We, we are the body of Christ, but understand, again, Jesus is the head. And then the question becomes, what does that mean? What does it mean that Paul throws this in? He is the head. And by the way, this is not the only place in the scripture that we have Jesus as the head. I, I Originally, when I put this together, I had like eight passages of scripture I was going to show you and make this point. And then I was like, for the sake of time, I think you understand. This is okay. This is not unique. And that really doesn't matter. It's all over the place. It, okay. But what does it mean in that way? Well, the Apostle Paul here using an illustration of the physical body so let's start by thinking that way. On a physical body, the head is where all the decisions are made. Would you agree? Decide in your mind right now. What, oh, that was dumb. Okay. Uh, the head is what does all the thinking. Okay. Uh, it provides the direction for the rest of the body. Where to go, how to move, all of that. The head neurologically communicates with the rest of the body and tells it what to do. Everybody put your arm up in the air for just a moment. Come on, let me know you're like, and wave it like you just don't care. Okay, now we're getting weird. But understand, your arm, it don't do anything unless your head tells it to. We don't even think about it that way because it's just so like, instantaneous and natural, and I don't even know how it works, okay, but all sorts of scientists and things, and you know this from biology class, your head is sending signals and your arm is responding by going up in that way. Some of you grew up on farms uh, cutting the heads off of chickens. Raise your hand if that was like your national pastime. That is way more than I thought. That is fantastic. What kind of hick from church are we? Like, how many of you ever cut a head off a chicken? Oh, yeah, I did that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> well, you know what happens. The weirdest stuff ever. And you, you got 10 or 30 seconds where that thing's flapping with no head. And it's running around with no head. Some of you teenagers have never experienced that. Okay? Because you just went to Cane's or something and got your chicken that way. But, uh, like... Like, it is the weirdest thing ever when a chicken with no head still moves. And, and you can read all about that and, uh, and, and whatever else. I read online. I, wasn't, I shouldn't even talk about this. I don't have time. But there, there's a chicken that, that lived 18 months after getting part of its head cut off. The farmer missed a little bit and chopped the, chopped the head off half of it. Okay, I don't <coughs> Why are we talking about this? They fed the thing with an eyedropper down its throat. 
and it survived for 18 months. Look this up. It is the weirdest story you'll ever see. It's on YouTube and stuff. It can't be false. Okay. But listen, listen, come back to me here. We are the body of Christ. We bring our differences to the table. We are stronger together. But like without, without the head, we may flap around for a while, but we are going to end up dead. Like just don't, don't miss that. Okay? And we gather to pray and we gather to serve, but understand all of that is temporary. It's short-lived and eventually dead without Jesus leading and Jesus guiding and Jesus directing and being a part of it all. The church receives all of its life from Christ and it has no life apart from him. Nothing. It is nothing without Jesus as the head. And listen, this passage of scripture is, is specifically about the body of Christ, the church. But this idea of Jesus being the head very much is relevant to your individual walk with Jesus as well. Jesus should be the head of your life and he should be the head of your family. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Another translation just says, and he will direct your paths. He will direct your paths. As Christians, we should always be seeking to follow where Jesus leads. We should be seeking to listen to what he says, uh, where he would have us go and what he would have us do. We even call Christians followers of Christ. Followers. So how do we do this? How do we go about making and keeping Christ as the head of our lives, the head of our families, and the head of our church? Well, there's really only one way. One way, and there's no shortcuts to this at all. The only way we let Jesus be the head and allow him to lead is by constantly and consistently spending time with him. Do you hear me? Constant and consistent time spent with Jesus. It is the only way, and there is no shortcut. We spend time with Jesus. As individuals, we, we prioritize this. Through the reading of the Bible, through, through spending time in prayer personally, in, in, on your own, in, the, in a quiet place, just you and God alone time. And we learn personally to cast our cares on him. And we learn to just sit alone with Jesus and begin to watch as he leads and he guides and he speaks and he fills our minds with all sorts of thoughts and things and all of that. Like we reread the life of Jesus and one of the interesting things as you read uh, about Jesus in, in, in the Gospels, which are the, the four books of the Bible that tell his story, but we often see Jesus wandering off all by himself to spend time with the Father, is what it says. I'll show you one, Mark 1.35, early, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus thought and knew the importance of, of spending time with God the Father. He understood that. And again, we are individual followers of Christ. We each have our own relationship with God. Part of your individual relationship with God should be spending time with God. Figuring that out, learning how to do that, growing in that, 
having prioritized time in that way. And I'm just telling you, the American church as, whole, as a whole, American Christians, uh, we struggle with this. We are so busy. We got so much junk on our calendars and so many places to go and things to be at and all of this stuff. It is a struggle for us. If you do not prioritize it and plan it and begin to make it happen, I'm just telling you, it will not happen. It won't happen. We must figure out how to do that. But not only do we spend time with Jesus individually, we must begin to gather together we must, we'll talk about a couple different layers here quickly. We must begin to gather together even in smaller groups and pray. Matthew chapter 18 says, where two or three gather together in my name, there I am with them. James chapter 5, we, we looked at this one last week. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective like there's this piece of us gathering together with one or two or three or five other people and just being just spending time in prayer we must learn how to do this if we want to be the body of Christ and we want to keep Jesus at the head and my questions even as we start here uh, like are as we start, some of you are like, you're just starting, okay? But as we, as we get to kind of closer to the end here, like, listen, are you spending time with Jesus? And are you spending time with a few other people at different points and different times in your life where you are praying for, with and for someone else? Because Jesus must be the head, but you know what happens when we don't spend time with Jesus, our own thoughts and our own mind begins to say, I think I have good ideas and I think I know what's best for me and I think I can, can, can do this stuff. And we begin to push our own ideas and our own agendas and now all of a sudden we become the head. And I'm telling you, if you are the head of your spiritual life, then you have a mess waiting for you at some point. These beautiful passages of when the body of Christ gathers together to pray. Okay, we do that. <coughs> we do that individually. We do that in small groups. We also do that corporately, scripturally. We do it corporately. There are these beautiful passages of scripture that talk about what happens when the body of Christ gathers together, all of us together, to seek God and to pray. Acts chapter 4 just says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. I don't even know what that means. But something happened when the people of God gathered together and began to pray. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The church gathers together and they pray together and powerful stuff begins to happen. And they walk out the doors of that place and they begin to be ministers to their world. And I'm sure these followers of Jesus were praying on their own individually, but they also gather together to pray as the body of Christ to align themselves with each other and with Jesus who is the head. Acts chapter 12 says, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And we get a picture of this story that they had gathered together and they were praying because one of theirs was in prison for speaking about Jesus. And they began to pray together. 
I imagine that these people prayed individually for Peter as well. But they gathered together uh, to pray. Second Chronicles chapter 7, one of my favorites. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. There is a piece when you read this section of scripture from Second Chronicles of individual slash together. If my people, it's not like if you, but you is in my people. You is in my people. That was great. Okay, but okay, there's this beautiful thing when we gather together and we cry out to God and we keep him. That uh, Music team, will you please come? Just to recap, and then we're just going to take a moment to pray, and then we're going to respond, not to this message in this way, but we're going to respond by taking an offering as well today that we've been talking about. <coughs> we have our differences. We have different pasts, different experiences. We have people here who are single, people who, here who are married, people here who have divorce in their past, people here who have all sorts of other things, people who grew up chopping heads off of things on the farm, and people who know nothing of that. Okay, we, we are filled with all sorts of differences. I'm telling you scripturally, our differences make us stronger. As we come together, different giftings. We're not all gifted the same. We don't think the same. And it's a beautiful thing as we come together. And if we can figure out how to unify our differences and begin to be ministers to each other and to our world and to our community and to all of that, I'm telling you, we begin to become the body of Christ here on earth. But if Jesus is not the head, if constant and consistent prayer is not a piece of who you are and who I am and who we are, then we will struggle to keep Jesus as the head. Do you see the big picture here? Jesus the head, the people ministering, the body of Christ and all their differences, encouraging and moving and breathing, and now we become the hope of the world. The hope is not in us. Every time I say that, I feel like people are like, Jesus is the hope of the world. We are the hope of the world to bring Jesus to the world. The body of Christ, what a beautiful thing. We're together, but we're also apart. We have our individual stuff, but then we all come together. You cannot be a healthy, scriptural Christian experiencing God just on the mountains and going for a walk. You were meant to be a part of the body of Christ. And I'm excited for what this idea can do for our church moving forward. And we're gonna work hard as, as leaders to equip, train, prepare you for works of ministry. And we're gonna even change some of the language that we use as we do announcements and we do different things because our fear is that we continue to feed our cultural idea that this is a place we come to get. And we wanna change that to this is a place where we come together to worship and to minister and to be the body of Christ. Will you please stand with me all over this place?
God, we, we come today as individuals who have gathered together with a desire to be your body, Jesus. But God, we truly hunger and thirst to keep you as the head, to follow your lead, to know you and hear your voice. Fill us, God, with more of you as we seek you more and more. God, I pray, I pray that every single one of us would strive to to learn what it looks like to spend time individually with you constantly and consistently. I pray, God, that every single one of us individually would begin to find two or three or five people at different times that we gather together with to pray and to seek your face and to keep each other accountable and to just spend time together. And God, I pray that when we gather corporately, that we would seek you, that we would hear you, that we would know you, that we would follow your lead. We love you and we need you in your name. One last thing just before we... (coughs) For some of us in this place, the enemy, and we have an enemy, his his battleground is your mind. And he will begin to twist what's happening right now and begin to formulate in a way that makes you feel like a failure. It's called, it's called condemnation, where Satan begins to say, wow, you're not doing any of that junk. You are a horrible. You can never do that. You can, okay, and begin dot, dot, dot. That's the way the enemy works in this type of moment. The Holy Spirit convicts. Satan condemns, he brings that. The Holy Spirit grabs us by the hand and walks with us and says, there is a deeper place and there is more to this. And he gently pulls us along and says, will you go there with me? And I want you to feel that today. Don't for a moment let Satan fill your mind with guilt and shame for what you haven't been or what you haven't been doing. Let this be a moment where the Holy Spirit begins to pull you forward into a new place, amen? With every eye closed, just a time of reflection, a time of privacy. Maybe you're here today and you have never responded to the message of Jesus. He loves you so much. There's forgiveness. No matter where you've been, no matter what you have done, God sent Jesus to die for you so that you could be forgiven and you could be free. And I'm telling you, there is life abundantly and peace that passes all understanding. It comes in a moment when we say yes to Jesus and then we begin to live it out and say yes every single day. But maybe you're here and you have never said that first yes. And you need to respond today by just saying yes to Jesus even for the first time with no one looking around. If that's you, just show me your hand. I just wanna pray for you. And maybe you're watching online right now. You can respond to this. It's a heart thing between you and God. Anyone in this place that would just say, that's me and today is my day. Yes, yes, you can put your hand down. Thank you. Church, let's just pray together to help those in this place who are responding in that way. Let's pray. Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins. 
and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen, amen. Come on, will you put your hands together?